You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. Guys, I've said it before and I'll say it again. FredsBS.com has some of the best baked goods that you are going to find around. He's got cookies and brownies and blondies and jams and for some LA locals, he's got pie coming down to the store pretty soon. Um, and guys, these are ingredients that are fresh, never frozen. They're flavors that can't be found in stores. His brown sugar buddies are a wholly unique recipe and they're super, super tasty. And I also love his seasonal treats that he does. Oh my gosh, and his brownies are to die for. And I could absolutely go for some brownies at this exact moment. So if you go to fredsbs.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST, you'll be able to get 20% off your order. And guys, if you're interested in trying an assortment of these things, go for his BS box, because that comes with an assortment of these delicious treats. And guys, if you're an LA local, you can actually forego the delivery fee and pick your order up for free. So guys, once again, that's Fred's and Spreads by Fred, fredsbs.com. Use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. And just like I mentioned at the beginning of the last episode, uh, we now have shirts in the podcast jukebox store. So if you guys are interested in buying a No Love Lost t-shirt or a Crazy About Kirk t-shirt, uh, go to podca- the podcastjukebox.org and go to the store uh, section for No Love Lost and you'll be able to get those t-shirts. I'll provide a link in the description below to fredsbs.com and a link to the podcast jukebox store. So guys, it would really mean a lot if you took the time to support this podcast uh, by buying merchandise and by uh, buying stuff from Fred. You are directly supporting this podcast, uh, which means it makes it easier for us to go ahead and take the time to do the thing because we both have day jobs and also lots of other projects that we do. Anyway, uh, again, whether you can support us or not, or if you just want to spread the word, um, Either way, we really appreciate it. You guys are the best, and we love you. We love when you support us by uh, buying merchandise from Fred. We love when you support us by going to the Podcast Jukebox website. And we love when you support us by listening. So thank you so, so much for everything. We love you guys. You're the best. Okay, Michelle, take it away. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something Supposedly but even though There are times we hang Our heads in sadness We know There's no love lost We had To go back why does everything have to change, Will? Why'd we have to go back and screw everything up? You, you know what, though? We went back and nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing. We're still reliving our life on the island. Oh, Lord. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast, where we maybe change our opinions 
of the hit television show Lost. I mean, Will, if this is the moment you want to concede and admit defeat and admit that I was right all along and that this is a terrible show, I will fully accept oh, I was, that. I was giving you the opportunity. <laughs> I was, I figured, you know. Honestly, you you might have convinced me a little earlier in the season. <laughs> Not today, though. Not today. <laughs> I um I'm Will Link with me as always. Megan Salinas, hey everybody. And uh, we're here to talk about season two, episode four. Everybody hates Hugo. Aww, uh, Besito. Everybody loves Hugo though. He's the best, except what when he gets turned into the bad guy because he's cursed. He is cursed. It's not his fault. It's uh, those numbers, those damn however many beans that is. That they, uh, it's that, uh, I did, I did like, he's like, I know the numbers. I don't need them written down for me. Uh, full disclosure, it is, uh, very windy out. I've closed all the windows, so now it's getting stuffy in here. And, uh, I'm loopy. I'm going on no sleep, and you're going on too much sleep. Uh, no, because I, I went to bed. I went to bed late last night. I got up late, but I went to bed too late. So I'm just, I'm operating on a very weird level of, I guess, alertness. <laughs> um, spoiler alert, guys. Uh, this, for whatever reason, is your first episode. We spoil everything about the show. So if you were thinking about watching Lost, uh, don't. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, then they won't listen to our podcast. But listen to the podcast. Well, I'm just, I'm give, we're giving you a fair spoiler See, warning. See, you are in a really shitty position. Because you're in a position where you claim to not like this show, so you would never recommend it, but you need to recommend it for then people to listen to this show that you host. You can't win. Or I just say, don't watch the show, but listen to us talk about the show so that you don't have to. Now, this episode is written by Edward Kit, 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 I'm going. Are you going to, are you Kitsis, okay? Kitsis, <laughs> and Adam Horwitz. Um, we've, they, Why do I know that name? Well, they've, they've, I've probably said them on the show before. Okay. But it was also directed by Alan Taylor. Now, Alan Taylor, this is his only episode of Lost, but he is a prolific television director for film, uh, shows like The Sopranos, uh, he's directed a ton of late series Sopranos episodes, a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes. Oh. He also directed <laughs> my least favorite Marvel film. Which one? Thor the Thor the Dark World. He directed that? And he directed the worst Terminator film, Terminator Genesis. What? Yeah. This guy has an interesting resume. I feel a little bad for him because I think well, Genesis has put him in movie jail. Well, I, I haven't seen Genesis, but when, at least when it comes to Thor The Dark World, like, yeah, it's probably the worst Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, but that doesn't mean it's a terrible movie, you no, know? No, it's watchable. Yeah, but and, it, and I it's choose... well-directed, and it's well-acted. It's watchable. <laughs> it's watchable, but I choose not to watch it again. <laughs> Same thing with Iron Man Two. The um, you know, I I was on a 
I was on the Story Geeks podcast last night uh, where we did something called Nerd Fights. Uh, You told me about this. I don't know when this episode is getting released, but it should be available by the time this episode drops. Um, So, yeah, I was was in an episode of Nerd Fights. And for the after cast that they do for their Patreon people, uh, the final question was, hey... What's your least favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe film? Uh, because we had spent the entire regular episode fighting about our favorite film in the MCU, or what we thought objectively was the best one. And I, as just like a knee jerk reaction, said Thor The Dark World, because that's generally speaking considered the worst. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I think I enjoyed Thor The Dark World more than I enjoyed Iron Man 2. I would have to rewatch both films to see which one I dislike less. <laughs> I wonder if I would have rewatched both if I would dislike Iron Man 2 more and if I just say Thor The Dark World because it is slightly more recent, so it's more in my memory. I just didn't care for dark elves and like see, a lot of the, the villain stuff in that movie I, didn't work for me. I, I dig Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> Welcome to our oh, MCU podcast. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did We've Christopher done. Eccleston, which I will now steer into a Doctor Who podcast. Um, but like I, so I dug Christopher Eccleston as the bad guy, and I really liked all the Loki Thor stuff that went on in that movie. The thing that I didn't like is that it just kind of felt like a middling. We we just need to get from point A to point B movie. It felt like a time filler. And I feel like Iron Man 2 also felt like a time filler. Like, we're wasting time until the Avengers. Iron Man 2 was also so early in the MCU that, although I know they had a plan, they, like, they needed, well, Iron Man was a hit. We need to get another Iron Man out there because we need another hit, a guaranteed hit. And it did, because that was the third one. That was the third movie to come out in in this MCU. Did it come out before Thor? Yeah, it was Iron Man... Then Incredible Hulk. Hulk. Then it was Iron Man 2. And then everything else started to come out. And then it was Thor, then Captain America. Yeah. And then the Avengers. Yeah. Well, okay, that makes sense. But the... For <laughs> we, me, we probably should get off this. All right, we should, we should start talking about Lost now. Sorry, guys, Endgame is getting ready to come out, and that's where our mind's at, is the MCU. But the reason I bring it up is that, like, you know, Iron Man 2, I think in terms of tackling the subject matter of Tony Stark's alcoholism, I feel like that was wholly unpleasant to watch. It's it's not that it was badly done so much as that it was just difficult to watch and not what I expected from my fun popcorn, you know, superhero flick. So in my opinion, I think watching Iron Man 2 was less enjoyable than watching Thor The Dark World I, I'm I'm putting that out there into the universe right now. Although I will say, ask me again in a week, and who knows, my mind might change again. <laughs> um, for the same reason you give Thor: Dark World the edge, me maybe give Iron Man two the edge, just because, man, Mickey Rourke is out of his mind, and I just like watching that on I film. Mean, that's the thing is that neither of those movies are the worst. They have good cast, and they have memorable characters, and they've got good effects. There's just, it's just comparatively speaking to the the films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that blow us away, that comparatively speaking, they feel like kind of a time waster, you know? 
So we are out of time on this episode. <laughs> uh, Megan, before we go, let, tell us who your, your man in black is. Tell us who your Jacob is. For well, this. <laughs> my man in black would definitely have to be Age of Ultron. Like, that was, that. I mean, uh, that was it just missed the mark. It, it tried to do too much setup without actually enough payoff within the film itself. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's jump in to this episode. And let, let's start with the flashback. That's fair. Uh, I I will say this is one of those episodes that I remember from when it aired. There's a lot I've forgotten about season two, but I remember this episode. You know, it's interesting that you said the thing uh, to me like, oh, is this the episode where I start to change your mind, Will, about Lost? And it is not because I like this episode, but I think I remembered this episode more fondly than I did. I think I remembered it being like wackier than it is <laughs> or you know because the title's a very funny title. Maybe um, it was funnier in 2005? This, yeah it said to be uh, 2006. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or maybe it was 2005 still yeah. Maybe our senses of humor were different and bad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know because, because you know you always, I always associate Hurley and to a lesser extent, Charlie is like the yeah. funny one. I mean, I, I think it's fair. There's a lot amusing in this episode that I think when you're watching it the first time around probably plays a little bit better than upon a rewatch. And also, you know, hindsight too is that this probably plays a little bit better upon a first watch because you don't know where the series is going. Yes, You don't true. know how this episode shakes out, so watching it a second time around, it's like, oh, man, this is going to suck. <laughs> um, so in the flashback, we cut back to the scene that we'd seen previously of where Hurley is watching the lotto numbers, sees he won, and passes out. But now we see the continuation of that moment, and we learn that... He did not tell his mother not right that away. he won the lotto. He hides the ticket because he's afraid of change. Even yeah. this giant positive change of I am now rich. Mm-hmm. And he's just holding on to that ticket. And he goes to work. He's got. I'd be so terrified to have that ticket in my hand I, all day like I that. I do want to point out that his mom... Puts him on blast in a way <laughs> that I have not seen a fictional character do in a long time. And I, I feel like we talked about this oh. a little bit the last time we had a Hurley episode. Oh, with the whole thing with like, like, oh, the who's calling must be about, oh, what kind of car do you want? Like, a, like <laughs> oh, she... Jesus is going to come down from heaven and give you a car. Um, like, she calls him fat. She calls, she, she shames him for being single and uh, just all this other stuff. And there's the reason I bring it up is because there is a Twitter account called Out of Context Lost. And yes. one uh, and it's one of my favorite Twitters <laughs> because it points out how absurd this show is. But one of their favorite things that they like to tweet and retweet is the line from this episode, you know, falling down is not exercise. Yeah. And Every time they tweet that and retweet it, I always feel personally attacked by it. <laughs> hey, falling down is a lot of work. It Gotta is. get back up. That that spike in heart rate that in, and adrenaline, I'm sure that burns a lot of calories. You know, but I, I will say this, unlike some other characters in this show, uh, 
Hurley's mom is trying to motivate him. She's just not, this isn't the way you really do it. Like, yeah. I think she's, her belittling of him is well-intentioned, I think, if that makes any logical yeah, sense. I would not put her in the same club as Randy and Susan and Claire's fiance. Like, I wouldn't put her in the same category as them. I think of her more as a little bit of, like, you know, that caricature of a mom. Like, why don't you go out there and get me grandchildren? You know, that sort of archetype. But um, anyway, sorry. Well, speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of Randy, because mm-hmm. Randy... <laughs> <laughs> has been boss to many people on this show, including we see him at Mr. Clunk. Wait, was that Randy? That was Randy. Stop. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. You're kidding. I kid you not. Oh my god. I did not recognize him in that uniform. What? Randy, what happened, my dude? Did you go up in the world? Because uh, he went from the fast food service industry to working at the box company with Locke. But he has, I would say he's gone up in the world. A box company that no, that's Hurley what, owns. That's what I'm saying is I, I'm like, you know what? Well, 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 the pieces are starting to come together a little bit. Because here, he was Hugo's supervisor. And then Hugo quits and becomes this you know very very rich philanthropist and owns the company that this guy ends up working for that's why he feels inadequate that's why he needs to lash out that's why he's picking on a guy in a wheelchair oh my god we have solved an essential mystery who else does is he does he employ in the show i believe i believe i believe he does but i can't remember i can't don't quote me on that he does but i think so i I am fascinated by this character's journey that doesn't justify his behavior in any regard no because he's a (laughs) dick because here's the thing okay maybe hurley shouldn't be eating all that chicken oh no 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 here's the thing is i actually think randy's in the right here yeah like if you're going to eat food if you're going to eat if you're going to steal from the company you need to reimburse the company that's i feel like that's fair but he's still kind of a smug prick yeah but hugo's also lying yeah (laughs) so although i I would argue hugo probably doesn't realize how much chicken he ate uh, he's a compulsive eater that's true that's true but like at the same time I feel like from a business perspective, Randy actually is in the right here. He's not like the same level of rude as like the person who was working at the airport terminal when Hurley was trying to get to the airport. Okay, but Randy also is the guy who's like, don't give people more than two napkins. You ever try to eat fried chicken with just two little crappy napkins? Oh, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. you know what? For that, Randy's terrible. Yeah. No, he's he's wrong, but he is right to ask Hurley to reimburse yeah, uh, the, for, the chicken. for the chicken that he yeah. ate. Uh, and also, you probably shouldn't be eating on the clock. Although, you yeah. know what, Mr. Clucks, I think they, they, they got to offer an employee meal, right? That's got to be a benefit of working at Mr. Clucks. Definitely a discount, I would think. Um, I worked uh, at a as a barista for a little while for a coffee corporation um and 
I we got discounts. We got like one free cup of coffee a day, and we got discounts on like merch that did we you wanted get to buy. One free cup of coffee, one free whatever you wanted cup. You like, could you have made yourself some like crazy? I, it's been latte. years, but I think it was you get one free whatever you want to make. Um, you did have to you did have to record whatever you made for yourself because that's technically a. You know, you have to keep track of the inventory and everything. I have like no that. willpower, ironically. <laughs> so I could never work at a place. Like if I worked at Taco Bell, oh, I would eat no. all the tacos. I would eat them <laughs> all. I'd be this disgusting person, and they would have to fire me because I wouldn't be able to control myself. <laughs> uh, last segue, my dad. When he was in high school, he actually did work at the KFC in my hometown for a little while. And so when I was growing up, whenever my mom was like, hey, let's get KFC, dad was always like, do, do we have to get KFC? <laughs> and I was always like, why, dad? And he was just like, you know, you work at a place and, um, yeah, you just, you learn things. Oh. <laughs> um. I'm sure it's very different than it was when my dad worked there in the late, or er, early 80s late 70s whenever he was a teenager let me tell you what i don't care for kfc anyway <laughs> i'm more of a popeyes guy <laughs> oh so, snap so anyway hurley is getting chewed out by randy <laughs> and randy i bet Locke wishes he could have done this <laughs> and hurley's just like hurley knowing he's got that lottery ticket he's like you know what fuck it i quit Quits, he walks out. Cut to him, he's outside of his car, eating a bucket of chicken. And DJ Qualls. DJ Qualls. I'm blanking on his character's name. I just wrote down DJ Qualls. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his character's name is DJ Qualls, right? And DJ Qualls comes out. Um, And uh, he's like, man, I quit too. And this is the first sense of a little bit of panic you see from Hurley because he realizes that like his friend did this to stand with him to be and by his side without the realization that he's like I have the freedom to quit because I have all this money my friend doesn't but if I tell him that like now what's gonna happen it's immediately going to change the situation and at that moment also when Hurley quits Okay, so you win the lottery. There's no way, even if you're scared or nervous like Hurley is about how it might change things or what's going to happen or or how am I going to deal with this money or I don't want to be the center of attention, you know you're going to do it. But it's really, you're still going to, you're not going to rip up that ticket. Yeah. However, when he says, I quit, that's when he's really in his mind made up, oh, we're doing this. Yeah. And this night that he has out with DJ Qualls, in a weird way, it's Hurley's last night of freedom before everything changes. And he just wants to have a typical Hurley DJ night. Yeah. And they go to the record store and they're listening to Drive Shaft and talking about how terrible it you is. You all, everybody. You all. I do like that they don't know the words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I only know that part, too. Do you know beyond that? No. Nope. no. You all everybody <laughs> and, but it turns out hurley's got a little bit of a crush on the girl that works there starla what an interesting name yeah starla do you know be... anybody named starla no 
I do not either. If there are any Starlas at, out there, tweet at us. I mean, we I know wanna... it's a name. I've never met any. Uh, I'm sure it was more common in like the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, a name. Again, Some if there are any Starlas out there, tweet at us. Starlin and Moonrock and, uh, you know, <laughs> Sunset. Hmm. Sunbeam. Uh, These are I'm all. To... Anyway, <laughs> Starla is the. I Starla's guess... a much better name than all of those. Yes. BTW. Uh, Starla's, uh, you know, she's working the right kind. She's happy to see Hurley. It's like her goofy friends who come in and, like, you know. Well, and she seems kind of smitten with Hurley in that kind of. Because he's a big, lovable guy. And... Yeah, and he wants to buy these headphones and she's helping him. And... She, you can tell that she likes him in that sort of adorable way. She's like, aw, he's adorable. And I imagine that working in a record store, she probably gets a lot of hipsters, a lot yeah. of guys who are smug, and a lot of guys who, who like want to mansplain music to her. So seeing somebody like Hurley, um, who's just big and lovable and... Uh, and, you know, just genuinely sweet. I think she really appreciates that. And, you know, there's this band. I can't remember the band, but they're playing at the Troubadour all weekend or something like that. And she's like, he's like, you want to go Friday night? And she goes, I can't. And you see he's really disappointed. But she's like, but I can go Saturday. <laughs> and her was like, ah. ah. And he's all excited. He's going to be hanging out one-on-one with Starla, his kind of record store manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> And <laughs> and when they're walking away, five hundred days of summer. Oh, oh five hundred days of Starla. Could you imagine Hurley's like, um, what is that? Nick and Nora's like infinite playlist. Yeah. Hurley and Starla's infinite playlist. That would be the best. And the walk away. And DJ Qualls is like, man, you asked around. Finally, you've been talking about you've been having a crush on her forever. What made you finally do this? And he's like, well, you know, I had to do it before. And he kind of trails off. He's like, uh, before what? Like, and because Hurley knows everything's about to change. Now, it's interesting because yeah, they and the the way DJ Qualls' character describes it right after he quit is he he said we deserve a day off. We deserve yes. This is about them. Yeah, this is them spending a day together because, as he points out, after they pulled their little prank, he's like, um. You know, we've got just a couple more hours of freedom. Uh, before, you know, tomorrow we gotta we gotta find new jobs. Um, so it is just one like one of them has to find new jobs. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, so it's interesting seeing this is what they do on their day out. You know. Also, that prank they pulled isn't that great. No, it's a bad prank. They just in, did <laughs> they all... stole a bunch of gnomes, I guess, and then put it on Randy's yard and then wrote out "cluck you." It's a terrible prank. <laughs> it's a really bad and prank. Those weren't all Randy's garden gnomes, right? He doesn't have a lawn full of garden gnomes. I assume like they stole them from his neighbors. <laughs> Unless Randy happens to have lots of garden gnomes. Like, what, what would have been a better prank? Like, the classic, like, a, the cliche shit, the dog, dog shit, shit in, the, in the plastic bag and then lighting it on fire. That would have been a better prank than cluck you guys. And that's the most cliched, obvious prank you can pull on yeah. someone. Yeah, it would have been better <laughs> off uh, throwing those garden gnomes through the windows of his house. I mean, that's straight up <laughs> vandalism. 
I feel like well, here's a, the other thing. Randy knows who's done this. That uh, I feel like there's a, a like a straight up like damaged property aspect once you actually throw something through someone's window. And while they're driving away, Harley's like, "You gotta promise me, nothing's ever gonna change. It's always Aww. gonna, it's always gonna stay the same." And then they get to the <sighs> convenience store. Now this part. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No, to me. it doesn't. It's done for this dramatic slow mo at the very, very. And they're end. like, "Hey, what's going on here? Better check it out." And I was like, "Oh, we should go to another store." He's like, "Nah, I'm gonna go check it out." And he's like, "Hey, maybe someone's dead." Is literally what DJ Qualls says. Like, what are you doing? I, like, don't get me wrong, DJ Qualls is super endearing in this entire episode. But that was the one point where I was just like, that that feels forced. This and is just, they need to get this guy to be standing outside of this store when this happens. And clearly they also must have cast DJ Qualls, Qualls because he's the opposite of her. He's like the thinnest well, guy you could cast. Well, you know what it is. It's the Charlie-Hurley dynamic before Charlie and Hurley. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You're absolutely right. Uh, I, I do want to point like just while we're talking about DJ Qualls, um, I really appreciate him as an actor because he played Citizen C in Z Nation, and I talked about Z Nation throughout its entire run. So uh, you guys should go check that out. DJ Qualls killing it. Yeah, he there. was great. Um, he did a fantastic job. So they well, pull he, up there. Mm-hmm. And then DJ Cross comes back and goes, the news crew's here. Somebody won the lottery. And Hurley knows it's him. And this is the one part that makes no sense <laughs> whatsoever. Like, it may, I tried to figure out a way to justify this. The store manager points to Hurley. He's like, that's the guy who... How does he know? How does he... I mean, maybe he knows... Hurley bought a ticket there because Hurley's the guy who stands out. But how does he know that he's the one who got the winning ticket? Maybe the cashier has a photographic memory. And okay. because Hurley used specific numbers, he wasn't just like, give me a ticket. He said, give me these specific numbers. It stood out to the to the cashier. That being well, said, shit, you've justified it in my mind now. The only other thing I can think of, apart from just the cashier having a good memory and Hurley standing out, because and that he's done this multiple times. Has he done it multiple? I times? I don't know. I don't think he has. I think he's only done it once. But that being said, he, I mean, you look at Hurley; he stands out in a crowd. Like if you met a guy like Hurley, you'd probably remember him later on right and so i'm assuming the cashier has a really good memory he remembers the guy coming in and he remembers the specific numbers so when they announced they made the announcement he was like i sold that ticket that's the only thing i can think of in terms of like logically how this came to be i still think it's weird the only other justification for this scene is that the numbers caused it to happen because they're cursed and they had to ruin Hurley's life. I... And they're haunted. I'm going to buy that this guy has a photographic memory. That's like what that, <laughs> that makes more sense, right? Um, I, I do think it's 
assuming he has a good memory, it is still weird that he called the media <laughs> and said, everyone, drop what you're doing right now and come to me and interview well, but me. They, but the media knows because we know where winning lottery tickets are sold. Okay, okay. So they were probably there doing there for their 11 o'clock news that night being like, oh, I'm outside where the winning ticket, but the winner has yet to come forward. Tape at 11, you know. They're that probably makes more doing sense. That, that makes they're more probably sense. Doing that. But then they flat their own. And then DJ Qualls realizes the look on his face is one of such betrayal. betrayal. Because. Because that's when it dawns on him of like, oh, he quit because he could. Yeah. And he was keeping the secret from him, like his best friend all day. That probably hurt even more. Now, look, in fairness, I'm. Hurley's the kind of guy who probably toss him a million dollars off of his winnings because he feels bad about yeah. it. But, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, you like, like, why didn't you tell me? Like, I could have maybe saved my job, but also you're my friend. We've been driving around all night, you know? Well, here's the question is what was the right thing to do here? Was Megan, to just. Megan, in you have. Is there a bug on me? Yeah. Ugh. Did I get it? Yes. I was going to get you a... I, I didn't mean to interrupt the podcast for this, <laughs> but it was like... It was on my face, wasn't it? It, it looked was like, like it was going to crawl into your eye. <laughs> you know, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out, and then I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was very... Like, it was disturbing. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Oh, my God. Now I'm like... Now I'm rubbing my face going like, did I get it? Did I get it? And like, I don't know where it came from. Are there more? I don't know. <laughs> we need to cancel the podcast immediately. Um, um, I'm going to cut all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say something. I appreciate it. You're a good friend. All right. <laughs> where were we? I don't know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I... Okay. No, no, don't I... apologize. There's a bug on my fucking face. It was going to go into your eye. And I'm like, I have to say something. I'm like, because at first I thought it was just like a like a fuzzy thing. And then I'm like, it's moving. And then I'm okay. like, it's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is all getting cut, probably. <sighs> okay. We were talking about the betrayal. We were. So what's the right thing to do in this scenario? Go back in time real quick. Uh, pull the time traveling bunny. Go back in time to the moment DJ Qualls said, I quit too. What's the right thing to do here? Is it what Hurley was most likely going with, which was just enjoying their day out, and then when he finally did come clean, offering to take care of him? Like, because that's the other thing is it's never made clear whether or not Hurley's actually planning on giving his buddy any money. Yeah. Like, that's not... He probably wasn't until maybe now. That's the thing. Because, like, again, he's trying, like... Well, you should get him a job at the box Because factory. if he's not planning on giving his friend any money, cause, like, that's kind of a messed up thing to do to not admit to it right away then. Because, in he... my opinion, if, like, you know, DJ Qualls coming out and saying, I quit too... If Hurley wasn't planning on, like, taking care of him upon, like, realizing this, if he was just, you know, intending on keeping that secret, then the right thing to do would be to, like, be like, dude, no, I quit because I won the lottery. 
I was going to tell you, but like now that you've quit, if he, you've got to go back in there and get well, your job back. Even if he wasn't uh, going to admit about the lottery, he should have tried harder to be like, get, no, go yeah, in there and get your job. Go get your job back. There's a reason I quit. Yeah. Um, now, this whole scene where he's like losing his mind because the reporters are coming out is is <coughs> cutting back and forth quicker than these flashbacks usually do back and forth kind of in a montage way with him having a meltdown in the hatch with dynamite which i had forgotten um <laughs> yeah what and this the is what i'm like doing with oh the dynamite. this isn't as much fun as i remembered uh so let's, that killed a guy <laughs> let's get back to the island mm-hmm. um I just want to know, would you have given DJ Qualls money? Like, if you had won the lottery, you quit your job and your buddy, thinking that uh, you just weren't going to take it anymore, quit in solidarity. Am I, am I me who I am today, right now? Instead of Hurley? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, because the thing it, is, I'm Megan, s- if I won the lottery, everyone would know within Five minutes. I would you wouldn't be, have gone into work that day. I would be. I would have went into work, but I would have went into work to tell everybody. Like I'll put. I'll give my two weeks notice. I think that's fat. I don't like leaving people yeah. in the lurch. But man, that's gonna be a crazy two weeks because it's a two weeks and no consequences. I would. You know, it, it would. You would. You would know. Everyone would know. <laughs> and everyone be coming for money from me would be the problem. And that's why people don't tell people. But I, so, no, I wouldn't give people money because they'd all know I have the money. You know what? <laughs> I often say this. Um, this podcast would probably be being recorded under better conditions <laughs> if I won the lottery. Um, and uh, if I won the lottery, uh, you know, I'd probably be more likely to pick up the check. I probably more more like oh oh I got it I got I got this one but you know I mean you know, but I still probably would be like I'd be like I got I got your Taco Bell Megan I got it I I have a billion dollars would you rent out that theater for Endgame Yeah I think I would <laughs> Nice I, I think I would rent out a movie theater for the big movies because I'm but I'll tell you what God forbid any of my friends that I invite talk during a movie check their cell phone yeah I'm, get yeah, out get there you were excommunicated out. from yeah. this theater yeah i don't know uh if i were to win the lottery and i'm talking about the size of the lottery that hugo wins yeah i don't know quite like i would definitely like cash it in and everything like that but i don't know if i would immediately quit my job and like even turning in a two weeks notice because I, I don't want to be one of those people that like would be like, I'm rich and I never have to work a day in my life because I feel like I'd get so bored if I didn't have some sort of career. So I think I'd work for like another year and figure out what I really want to do with the rest of my life and then like spend the rest of my life like doing that, like probably traveling and, you know, writing and doing other things like that. That would be a lot of fun. I'd probably just be sitting at the stupid cafe down the street all day every day i mean that would be fun just reading a book hanging out holding court 
<laughs> the problem here's here's the thing, and, and then we'll we'll get off. We'll of this, get back but, to it. <laughs> but but it's fun wish for. I mean, that's what's fun about the Hurley character and his storyline is a wish fulfillment. Like, what element would you do? You know, with that horrible, horrible curse underlying everything. But he's also got. Um, uh, 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 I would. Become the size of Hurley, if I'm going to Because... Unlimited Taco Bell. That's the thing. Like, I, all I want to do is eat shitty food. <laughs> and the thing that stops me is mostly how is how much it costs. Not even shitty food, but, like, I'd go out for a nice restaurant, but, like, we're getting appetizers. We're getting dessert. We're getting everything. I would never leave the Lamplight Lounge at Disneyland. <laughs> See, I would just have... And that's the danger of... Now, the flip side of it is that I might be able to afford to be in shape because I often say the only reason yeah, I don't... I don't have a gym membership because it's pricey. And I don't want to go to a gym. But if you put a <laughs> treadmill in front of a TV in my apartment and I had a limited time... Yeah. I would just put on a movie and run on the treadmill. Yeah. I'd be in great shape. <laughs> so I don't know, even now. The point is, God, I gotta win that lottery because I can't keep <laughs> doing what I'm doing. Um, okay, so let's get to the island. And at the 37-minute point in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we start with the flashbacks? Because we're like, the flashbacks are straightforward. <laughs> and to be fair, how many minutes was that was me freaking out about a bug <laughs> that, that got cut? <laughs> um, so, you're leaving that in. Uh, <laughs> no! I gotta cut it. Hurley. Oh, fine, I'll leave it in. We got to, Hurley is gazing at all the Dharma food. Mm-hmm. And he got the candy bars and the chips, and he just starts eating. He's pulling out full plates of food, already pre-made plates of food, and he's eating Which it. Which it's funny because we're like, we knew the Dharma Initiative was weird. We didn't, but that's even kind of weird. We're playing with reality a little bit. And all of a sudden, he hears someone calling <laughs> his name, and he looks, and it's Jin, Jin Daniel Day Kim speaking in English the first time on the show, or and- speaking in. Like his real voice, I should say. The uh, which is funny because, um, again, we we had this discussion when Matt was on our show, and it turns out, you know, as non-Korean speakers, like we didn't notice whether or not Daniel Day Kim's accent was good in any regard. But apparently, it's not his first language, um, and he's not a native speaker. So I imagine that it was very difficult for him during the show during these early seasons before he was allowed to speak English. So watching this scene, I'm sure the thing that was going through his mind when he got the script was, oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. I finally get to speak English. And Hurley's like, hey, you speak in English. And he goes, no, you're speaking Korean. And then there's uh, Mr. Klux there. <laughs> uh, and... He's like, everything's going to change. <laughs> and we turns out this is all a dream. Hurley's having, while well, typing in the numbers, he's falling asleep. It's an anxiety dream that he has three minutes before he needs to push that button. And he, he wakes up. There's, a, there, there's the questioning of, I'm like, oh, the numbers are, I know the numbers. <laughs> and he types, I love that Kate kind of gives him a little bit of crap because he's like, did you fall asleep? And he's like, no. <laughs> but she's talking about the next shift, and there's 
they're getting a system into place of people taking shift two people at a time because that's what you need on this job and look with the amount of people they have pushing this button should be easy um although i still wouldn't want the night shift no that wouldn't be fun uh so then we see Hurley back down, like, outside on the beach, and Har- Charlie is interrogating him. Okay. And, you know, I realized Charlie, in the first season, too, is really always, he's always mad at Hurley. Which is so weird. Because <laughs> I consider them, like, the two best friends. and the But I don't remember them fighting so much. <laughs> it's the goodwill from, the, like, those initial episodes of them playing golf. And them fishing together. It's the goodwill uh, that just ca- gets carried across so that every time uh, Charlie just seems to be mad at Hurley for no reason. Oh, we're like, oh, they've gotten into a fight. We're, but it's so sad because they're such good friends. <laughs> now, Charlie's a bad friend. Can I just say that? I love him. Well, I love him. He's a bad friend. Well, he's a heroin addict. Yeah. And um, a rock star. So Charlie's like, come on, you got to tell me. And there is something to what Charlie has to say, that Charlie is tired of being like on the B team, you know? <laughs> and, and Which there- is funny because, yeah, Dominic Monaghan, is that yeah. how you say the name? Uh, he was so heavily featured in the promotion for the pilot of this well, show. Well, he's got the key line. Exactly. Guys, where are we? And he was in three of the biggest films. He was just coming off three of the biggest films ever made. Yeah. So, like... I think it's funny that, yeah, like, the person who got top billing when the show first started, um, in terms of all of the marketing, is going like, I'm tired of being on the B team. I went on that first away mission in the pilot. What have I been doing? I got the baby back. I deserve to be on the A team. I deserve to be in the know. And you know what? They need to start telling people things because everyone knows something's going on. But Hurley is being because he's got to keep the secret and he's not good at keeping secrets. And he just knows that everyone's going to be mad at him. And he's starting to see the early signs of this. And he knows people are going to be mad at him because he's been given a specific job. And it's a job people will get mad at you for. He's in charge of the food. Mm -hmm. So he's in charge of inventory and then rationing it out. So, you know, when people want their peanut butter or their Apollo bars. Like, hey, buddy, can you hook me up with some peanut butter? He's going to have to be strong and say no. And they're going to hate him. And he's not and he, He's not wrong. You no, know, he, he absolutely knows that that's what's happening. And having been, uh, you know, a million, a multimillionaire, uh, I'm sure he fully understands people hating him for what he has. You know, we get it yeah. at the tail end of the episode with the the finale, you know, of the flashback. But, like, most of that goes unsaid because mo- the, the previous flashback episode with him focused less on the social consequences of him being rich and how that affected his personal life and more how he interpreted the curse was influencing events around him. So, but yeah, as as the person who is the richest man on this island, he knows what it's like to be the person with everything and to ha- and to be hated for it. So he sees Rose doing laundry, but he's got to tell the secret to somebody. And Rose, a character we haven't seen in a while, 
but it's very important that they start to reintroduce her at this moment. <laughs> and she starts talking about... Hey, Rose, about, you haven't done anything relevant for a while. You want to be a character again? <laughs> and she's talking about her husband, Bernard, and how she believes he's still alive somewhere out there. She really believes that. And she's like, well, you know, she's not... She's like, I'm not going to buggy about what's going on because it's not going to help me get this laundry done and Hurley's like wow (laughs) and he brings her to the hatch and he wants to and he's like here it is an apartment in Los Angeles with an in-unit washer and dryer (laughs) yes the unicorn this truly is a magical place and he so he's (laughs) like oh see this is what we're going to do and you can help me with the inventory and Jack of course comes in like why'd you tell somebody Jack is giving Hurley too much what does he expect people are gonna find out about this yeah and Hurley does he has put Hurley in a tough position yeah Um, he's given him a really tough responsibility like I kind of feel like Jack should have been the one doing this because I have no idea what Jack's doing this I guess he's just kind of like being Saeed like just like looking over Saeed's shoulder this whole episode um, and maybe pressing the button Um, but like I feel like Jack should have been the one in charge of inventory or Jack or Kate maybe not Kate well you know (laughs) what take stuff yeah well that's Kate well the first thing where you see the Hurley knows what's gonna happen with this because Kate comes in like oh I need the shampoo and Hurley's like "Uh," and she's like oh thanks Hurley and just like walks out with it which to be fair Detective Kate needs that shampoo. Detective Kate is going to get that shampoo. Well, to be fair about shampoo in general, not everyone's going to get their own shampoo. The shampoo's going to be in the shower. Everyone's got to share the shower. Yeah. So it should be fine. Oh, you know what? Jack's busy doing this episode, being a perv, walking in on Kate, <laughs> getting out of the shower. He didn't know that's where the showers were, to be fair. Okay. He, he just heard weird noises. He was like, I don't, what's happening? Well, whenever I hear weird noises, I assume there's going to be a naked woman. <laughs> so I so I act accordingly. <laughs> I act respectfully. <laughs> In what regard? It was, uh, I guess it depends on the woman. Um, depends on where you are yeah, when you start yeah, hearing exactly. these weird noises. Are you in the comfort of your home or? So, meanwhile, Charlie has been tailing Locke. And Locke knows this because Locke always knows what's going he on. He knows when someone's <laughs> following him. And Charlie gives Locke a piece of his mind about, oh, I should bloody know what's going on. And I love Terry O'Quinn just like any time like somebody gets done ranting at him in this episode, he just has this smile of like, like because Locke is super frustrated with the situation as is because the one person that could give him answers ran off. Yeah. So he has this smile where it, it's a, you know, and, it's a frustrated but smile. But it's also like, well, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you everything. And he tells him everything (laughs) so then when Hurley sees Charlie again Charlie's like oh I know what's going on you gotta get me some peanut butter yeah he's like I know the truth now Hurley now that thing that you feared uh, people exploiting you (laughs) that's exactly what I'm about to do (laughs) but really Hurley needs to give Charlie the peanut butter he never gave DJ Quarles Quarles DJ Qualls was never asking for peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. The metaphorical peanut butter. 
<laughs> so, but Charlie's indignant about it. He's like, you're going to deny a pregnant woman. He's playing the pregnant woman, or the woman who just had a baby, her peanut butter. She needs sustenance. <laughs> she needs protein. And then Charlie does the worst thing of all. He refers to Hurley as the management. Oh, you're the man, man. You're the man. And, you know, Hurley never thought of himself that way. No, he's a dude. He's too, like, again, like, he's the guy who walked out on his, uh, you know, fast food job because Randy was giving him shit. So Hurley, angry at at Locke, he's telling Locke, like, I don't want to do this job. And Locke's like, we all have jobs Too to do. bad. <laughs> Tough. There are lots of things I don't want to do. I had lots of jobs I didn't like, but I did them. I worked in a box factory some asshole I, owned. I, <laughs> I also worked for Randy. <laughs> Everybody worked for I once had this terrible boss named Randy. <laughs> um, so Hurley... Only has one solution. I'm going to blow up all the food. (laughs) That escalated very, very quickly. (laughs) So he goes and gets a stick of the sweaty nitroglycerin dynamite. Why do you still have that? (laughs) And he brings it down there. Super dangerous. (laughs) And he's just going to blow up the food. And he's got it all figured out. Irresponsible. He's got it all figured out. Like, oh, it'll just blow up. Like, I forget his explanation. I watched the episode a couple days ago. But basically, he's got a calculated, like, ah, it'll just destroy this. It's not like it'll destroy everything. I feel like, given what happened to Arts, we can assume that this would not be a controlled blast in any sense of the word. And Rose comes in and is basically like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing, you crazy madman? And Hurley goes on a rant. And this rant is intercut with when we see them finding out he won the lottery Mm -hmm. at the the quick stop or whatever. And he's going to blow up the food because we were all fine. Like, Hurley's like, we were fine before this. And we don't, like, you know... We and were fine before Locke, this crazy man, brought this crazy hatch to our like, lives. He's like, if I get, give Steve chips, Charlie's going to be pissed that he didn't get chips. And Rose is trying to, you know, talk him down from this a little bit. Of being like, you know, about he can't be afraid of, of this. Now, and I might be tipping my hand of what my <laughs> man in black's going to be. Because ultimately, Rose is like, hey, we can figure this out. And that's when we get this discussion with Jack in terms of what Hurley wants to do. And, yeah. And his solution is to just give everybody food? Is to basically throw a party. Yeah. To be like, hey, and just start passing out everything. Which kind of defeats the purpose of this job he had to begin with. Also... This resolution comes really fast. Like, Hurley, I mean, I thought I missed the scene. Because it felt like Hurley was in full meltdown. And then the next scene, he's handing out food. Like, I feel like there was no... Like, I feel like we didn't see him go through his dramatic realization. Like, we saw the aftermath of a realization. I I I feel like it was there more in Rose's sympathetic, you know... 
sympathetic um, but, pats. Yeah, but Hurley's like at, at like a like at a ten. And then we cut to commercials, and we cut back, and Jack is like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Like. I think that was the I mean, order of events. Yeah, and th- well, that's what it is. It feels like there's something missing. It feels like Rose needed to do more. It feels like her you know what it to- was. It was cut to cons- commercials, which is you know all about consumerism and buy these products, and then it cuts back to the show, and Hurley's just passing out all these potato chips, you know, things that you were it, probably just getting advertisements about. It just feels like oh, they. Yeah. I would have bought all that Dharma brand <laughs> shit. I would have bought it all if that went in the stores. Do you have like any like coffee cups with like the Dharma Initiative like logos on you know, them? Did they ever sell them? There was all sorts of stuff. I have none of it. I don't know why I don't. Should hit up Bad Robots see if we can't get some merch. Um, they always do like little giveaways on their Twitter. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just gonna tweet at them. Give me lost shit. <laughs> but I mean, I just felt like it was. I feel like. I feel like there's this well, great theme going on of Hurley being afraid of the change and not knowing what to do, and then the conclusion comes is, very abruptly. Because ultimately, he doesn't have to change. Like the the whole point of you know you know something that Locke said was like you know you know change is a good thing, Hurley, and he's like you know people who people always say that but they're wrong, or like people who always say that you know usually it's because they 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 had some ulterior motive. Um, and so, like, there's this ongoing theme of, like, Hurley being afraid of change. And then in the episode, he doesn't have to confront that. He doesn't have to change. No. This solution allows the and status what, quo, in terms of Hurley and his character and his relationship it, with everybody else, it doesn't have to change in this regard. But it doesn't solve the issue of like this is food yeah. and like you and need to you've ration also, it. You've also told everybody like because where did you get this box of cereal, Hurley? Like now you must tell us everything, which they should be doing anyway. But I at the feel same like time, they like, did. I feel like by passing it out, they're they're saying. Hey, we found, you know, we we opened up the hatch and guess what was inside? It was some food. Let's all celebrate. I, I like, hope Steve got the, those chips. The indication that Steve, now we know which one of them is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, poor Scott died. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's Steve's, Steve's alive eat, to enjoy those he's chips. Eating, he's eating Pringles, Dharma <laughs> Pringles. Well, Scott's rotting in the ground. Yeah. Um, but the uh I think the what we're supposed to get from this was that they used this as a celebration for morale. So instead of everybody turning on each other and everybody turning on Hurley, this is something that could bring them all together instead. Um, from a morale standpoint, I sort of get that. But from a very practical utilitarian standpoint, I'm with you, Will. I'm like, this was wholly irresponsible, and Hurley didn't have to be accountable for anything, and that's uh, that undermines his entire journey in this episode. And I feel like Lost usually, usually is better about that stuff. Usually, when we get a character's flashbacks, we see them having to be accountable for the things that they've done, or like see them learning a lesson like um shannon in the in the season finale literally carrying baggage regarding her brother 
and Saeed helping her with that baggage, you know, learning that you can rely on other people to help lighten the emotional load when you've gone through a tragedy. You know, that's that's something that you can take from this episode. That's something that that character learned in the framework of that episode. I don't feel like Hurley learned anything about change or about himself. No, he did. No. I think the only thing maybe he learned is to be more confident in his own decisions because Jack was saying, I don't know if this is a good idea. And he doubled down and was like, trust me, dude. So that's the only thing I can sort and, of take away from this in terms of his And spoiler alert, that's going to be something he's going to have to learn throughout the entire series. He's going to keep learning that lesson because he's going to end up running the island. Yeah. I, um, don't, I don't know. This is, this is a tough one for me, too, because there are a lot of people in the world who are afraid of change. You know, <laughs> um, my roommate hates change and everything like that. And I, I'm definitely one of those people where it's like change can be difficult. Change can be very hard, but like, regardless of what, where you stand on it, regardless of whether you fear change or not, the world changes and you change and your attitude about that wholly determines, you know, in terms of. There, you can either accept that or you can deny it. And if you deny it, you aren't doing yourself any favors and the people around you any favors. You need to embrace the fact that change is not only necessary but inevitable. So a few other things yeah. happened in this episode. I'm uh, going to hop down off my soapbox now. <laughs> we go back into the pit where Sawyer is very, you know... You know, he's he's kind of just everyone's frustrated. Sawyer's yeah. kind of like Sawyer's also dehydrated because like he makes a comment of like, man, what I wouldn't give for a glass of water. He's dehydrated, and I'm fairly certain his bullet wound is getting infected. Yeah, he's very slowly <laughs> like yeah, he's got all sorts. He's of like, problems. where's the doctor when you need and him? I, <laughs> and I wonder if that's you know Sawyer seems to be being a little more patient about the whole thing like basically being like hey you know they uh, you know they're gonna come for us when they come for us kind of thing uh, and I wonder if he'd be more proactive if he didn't have that bullet wound like he's he's not being proactive because he's lethargic because it's he, he's been bleeding a lot and he's dehydrated you know what I get it I get it and Mr. Echo and uh, Anna Lucia, they show up, and they're like, Jin, take this rope, go up there. And so I was like, don't do it. And she's like, if you don't do it, then I'm going to shoot him. And Jin takes the rope. Michael takes the rope. And <laughs> they then, keep Sawyer and in timeout for a little longer. On. Sawyer calls her a bitch. I do. That was an excellent edit in terms of, like, him going, like, I'm not going anywhere. And then them, like, slamming down the uh the lid onto the hole and it cuts to black and then a, like a second or two after it cuts yeah. to black he goes bitch and then it cuts to commercials i'm yeah. like that's a brilliant bit of editing that was perfectly done <laughs> that was perfectly put together well done team good job so basically what's going on during this time off screen is they're clearly interrogating michael and jen yeah making sure their question. stories line up Although I don't know how you interrogate Jin. <laughs> Very patiently. And, and uh, they then let Sawyer out. It's reluctant, but they let him out. 
And uh, he's got a rock. He's gonna like hit Anna Lucia with a, a fucking rock. And uh, I mean, she took his gun. I understand. He still, they still don't know what these people are about. But it's like, like I get it. But at this point, you got Michael being like, "Okay, we'll play it cool," and they're not like tied up or anything. And then I mean, like this man was shot a little. Uh, what was this? A couple hours ago? A day ago? He was shot like a day ago by people claiming that they were coming to the rescue. Yeah. Um, and if he hadn't had that gun, you know, maybe all of them would have been dead. Like, yeah, things shook out really badly. But if he hadn't taken that shot, maybe things would have turned out even worse, you know? So I understand him wanting self-preservation. And, like, an, a really great thing I, is he, before he actually gets pulled out of the hole and they throw the rope down, he goes, I'm not going anywhere until I know my friends are okay. That's true, yeah. And I'm like, oh, Sawyer. <laughs> And then Michael goes out, oh, are we friends now? Is that how that worked? I'm yeah, like, don't so, be a dick about this, you know, Michael. Everyone's a dick to each other. <laughs> right now. Um, but everyone's frustrated. But I thought and, that was sweet from Soy, like from a Sawyer standpoint. But that rock he's got is no match for Anna Lucia. No, she punches him real good. Yeah. And <laughs> don't mess with Michelle Rodriguez then is, the, like, is the moral of that story. Let's go march through the jungle. We're going to basically there home base and is where we meet and some more characters we meet libby yep uh who introduced herself and says that there's are uh, like how many of you 23 23 ha oh. ha yeah, <laughs> one of the numbers <laughs> um and then echo does it any significance that libby is the person who says 23 and she has an here to un, unknown relation to hurley I don't uh, know. I don't know if they had decided that for her yet. And Mr. Echo's apologizing uh, for uh, for hitting uh, Sawyer. Like, sorry, my dude. <laughs> and I love Mr. Echo. It's like a very human moment for me. Yeah. Echo knows it's a fucked up situation. Then Anna Lucia basically tells them all to shut up. <laughs> like, no talking. Yeah, he's like, I know she can be a lot to deal with right now. It's okay. Like, we're, we're all on the same page now. We're all friends-ish. Then we realize she's going through, and it seems like there's, like, it seems like they've hit, like, kind of a wall. Mm-hmm. And Sawyer's like, wait, wait, where are you going? We gotta climb up or something? And, nope, there's a door. The tail section, they found a hatch, too. I was gonna say, it looks very similar to the set of tunnels that, uh, uh, Saeed and um, Jack are kind of exploring during this particular episode. It looks like a very similar set of tunnels. And then we see, well, there's only like five people here. Yeah, there and aren't a lot. They're like, I thought there were 23. And like, well, there were 23. Ooh. That's ominous. But we know the others are out there. We know a smoke monster is out there. Um,. The other people we meet, Cindy, the flight attendant. Who, who doesn't seen. introduce herself, but we see her in the background, yeah. Yeah, and we've seen her in the pilot. Yeah, we saw her in a series of flashbacks, so I thought it was cool that they brought her back. And, and I'm wondering how long until she dies, because I don't remember her being in this series for too long. I remember exactly what happened to her. Uh, I don't spoil it. I kind of want to just go on that journey. I won't. Um, <laughs> and then... This guy comes over, and he's like, is there, like, a 
woman uh, uh, oh, rose. I will say he was the one that opened the door, and I immediately went, "Aww." <laughs> and I, I think Sawyer, I can't remember, says it's like, oh, like a older uh, black woman or whatever, or like a middle aged black woman or whatever he says. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, yeah. Last we, like the last time we saw her, she was. She was all right. You know, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Longest day. I'm exhausted. I got only a few hours of sleep. These people always think about the people in Lost, how they never sleep. No. Nope. Oh. nope. Sleep does not exist for them. And we discover in kind of the emotional end of the episode, <laughs> it's Bernard. It's Bernard yeah. who Rose knew was alive this whole time, who was in the mm-hmm. back of the plane. Because she, she doubles down on that uh, earlier in the episode, yeah. too, which she did last season as well. Um, yeah, and this was that's why it was a nice reminder you needed Rose in there. And look, there's going to be a Bernard in Rose episode this season, mm-hmm. and it is wonderful. I remember it being very sweet. Yeah. Um, and they, they are a bright and we spot. See Speaking of sweet, we see that Rose has saved Bernard an Apollo bar because she knows he likes sweet. She stuffed it into her pocket when they were taking inventory. Um, There are other things that happen. Not when they were taking inventory, when they were doing the party, I think. Yeah. Um, You referenced it before. Saeed is trying to find the source of the electromagnetism, and he's trying to, like, break through concrete. Yeah, like, he is so strong. (laughs) But he's, he's like literally breaking through concrete with what looks like, I guess, a titanium sheet. Uh, what what was he what was he using? Because he said it didn't have like yeah, a because ton of Jack's uh, keys. He's like, look at this, and the keys like, and he's uh. like, good thing this isn't super magnetized. Yeah, and just titanium like, is very low magnetization. <laughs> yep, or that something like that. Classic Saeed. <laughs> and and. Uh, I felt like that was such, like, no one needed to know that, but the no. writers needed to put, like... They needed to justify how is, he can, like, bang against this wall with a metal thing. The thing is, it's the kind of thing no one would have ever thought of, but some writer got nervous about it. And, Honestly, and, somebody would have... You know, it, it's the age of the internet. Somebody would have called well, them out Somebody would have, but it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> the internet. Um, we, Will... Listen to the thing that you just said. We are literally doing a podcast where we talked at length about beans. What about beans? And about how the number of beans didn't make sense. That bean thing is really weird. I'm just saying, let's not throw stones at glass houses. People are gonna, people who are upset about like wanting more resolution to like polar bear stuff, I want more resolution to bean stuff. <laughs> That's what the finale of Lost needed 100% I, more answers about beans. If I ever meet Damon Lindelof, this is the first thing I'm bringing up to him. Um, I'm gonna be like, Damon. You should probably soften it by saying you actually liked the oh, ending. <laughs> I'd be like, first of all, my favorite show, favorite drama of all time. The ending is perfect. I have I'm one. I'm sorry, everybody kicked you off Twitter or, or <laughs> made one, you leave Twitter. I have one quibble. So in the yeah, <laughs> in the numbers episode. Uh, but anyway, so Saeed's like, let's go under and try to get to the electromagnetism, and they're under it. 
Which I gotta be honest, for a moment when we cut to this scene initially, because of the blue lighting, I was like, "Where the hell are we?" I was like, "This feels like a different show all of a sudden." And just everything's just covered in concrete. And he says the only other time he's ever heard of anything being covered in this con- much concrete it was Chernobyl. Which goes, oh. And it's like bum bum bum. Bum bum bum. Um, so then it, I mean, so should we keep breaking the concrete? Yeah, do we want to do what we're saying? There's radioactivity here, but we don't know what's going on there. And actually, we do know there was a level of there was a radioactive event on the site at one point. Do we? I don't remember. I know this. That's the incident. Okay, but you won't see it, you won't see it till the last second of season five. Oh my god. travel nonsense oh i hate this show i know what moment you're talking about i hate this show i hate this show so much but then they hear something mm-hmm. they hear like there's noise it's like oh i'll go check it out and this is when he has his uh who's the boss tony walking <laughs> in on angel in the shower uh, moment because <laughs> yeah he was like i heard a strange noise i heard a strange noise must be kate naked <laughs> now i gotta say um, this wasn't too egregious. Um, I, I feel like the episode could have gone without this scene. I will say, though, like... Yeah, I'd rather them not have this scene and instead have a scene where Hurley's dealing with consequences. <laughs> I will say that is it just me or do Kate and Jack have much better chemistry together when the episode's not about either of them? Yes, and because they don't have to be the focus, they don't have a lot of heavy lifting, and they could just be and fun and have, flirty. They and... don't have to be opposing forces to one another. Yeah, there's there like whenever the episode focuses on them and dealing specifically with their dynamic in any regard, it's always Jack usurping Kate's protagonist <laughs> status, um, and you know, lying about st- you know, lots of deceit going on. In a moment like this, where our focus is on Hurley and on the people from the tail section of the plane, like, when the focus isn't on Jack and Kate, and they're just allowed to exist in the same space without there being a lot of drama, they have a lot of great chemistry together. And you know what I like seeing, Will? I like seeing seeing scenes where they interact with each other, and we get to see them friggin' smile. Because yeah. I feel like we don't get to see that when the episode's about them. No, because they're, they're brooding. They're, they're too upset, busy man. being dramatic. And I'm like, why did... Because like during episodes like that, I'm like, why did I ever ship Jack and Kate? Why did I ever think that they were a good pair? And then the episode's not about them anymore. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> why don't we get more of this? <laughs> I don't understand it. I never ship Jack with anybody. <laughs> really? I ship Sawyer with everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Um, I so don't hate that. <laughs> there's one other brief storyline with three characters who have been shortchanged so far in season two. Yeah, and this episode shortchanges them as well. <laughs> so Claire is walking on the beach. She finds the bottle with all the messages in it. Mm-hmm. I and guess who it's... does she turn to? Shannon. Shannon. <laughs> because... The actress needed something to do. Yeah. 
There's no reason for it. When has Shannon and it, Claire ever interacted? You know, it's so funny because Lost is the show and, and The Walking Dead does this even more egregiously. Where it's what? like, we've got a big ensemble cast and we need to give somebody something to do. Well, but also we have a big ensemble cast, so let's introduce six new characters. Yeah. And Lost did that a lot too. Um, <laughs> so the uh, Shannon and Claire go to Sun. Basically because she's the only one with any real connection to anyone who went out on the raft. And they're like, oh, we found this. And here's the thing. Is that they they don't go to Locke, they don't go to Kate, and they don't go to Jack. They go to the one person who has a connection to somebody on that raft. And they're basically And they're gonna, like, what do we do with this? Yeah, they're basically like, you should know this. We don't know if everyone else should know, but you need to know what do we do. And they leave it up to her to make that decision, which I think is both interesting and also confusing. <laughs> well, see, I get it, though, because, I mean, you can't not tell the wife. Yeah, no, no, no. She needs to know for sure. But I get the idea of them not wanting to tell anyone because, I mean, are people going to assume that, like, the raft failed? And I do think people need hope. Yeah. in this situation and also you don't know what it means yeah. you don't know did the bottle just fall off like what yeah. happened did uh, i mean it could mean that yeah they did just that like oops it went overboard it could mean that they sunk it could mean that but walt was kidnapped by, by the others <laughs> okay so we should probably wrap this up I was going to say do you think that son did the right thing though? yeah i have no problem with what she did I don't know how I feel about it. Because the last big plot point that we had with Sun was also her, her lying, her lying to keep a secret. And I know that that sort of gets to be a reoccurring thing with her because as we'll find out this season, you know, there were more secrets she was keeping from her husband. But I was just like, I don't know how I feel about like, you know, just Sun constantly burying the truth. In this case, literally burying the truth. I think you left with very little option here because you don't want to panic everyone. Yeah, I, I get it. Well, it's it's funny that the main, the, the A plot of this episode was all about coming clean so that Hurley didn't have to be the bad guy. It was all about like coming clean and like telling everybody everything and literally bestowing this thing that every, they were planning on like sort of hoarding and dishing out very rationally instead like they tell everybody and they just distribute everything and then, then here and then son has a piece of information and rather than sharing it with everybody she suppresses it so i guess it's it shows that it really is a case by case basis when it comes to information sometimes it's good to tell people when you have something and it's good to celebrate that thing and other times it's better to keep things to yourself and close to the chest and and to borrow a term from john locke use discretion yeah <laughs> sometimes the truth just needs to be buried will so <laughs> where no one will ever find it my man in black i think i already said but I'm going to say it again. The Hurley storyline needed another scene. It gets resolved too fast. All of a sudden, we're on the beach. He's handing out food. Like, it needed that other moment of seeing him, like, like come to a 
conclusion himself. So that that bugs me. Megan. Um I'm kind of with you. Not necessarily in terms of it needed another scene. My man in black is that Hurley learns nothing. Is that yeah. The whole through line of this episode is that he he's afraid of change and the solution he comes up with makes it so that he doesn't have to change. He doesn't have to like I said, I guess you could say that the the way that he changes is that he learns to stand up when he thinks he has the right answer. He learns to stand up to authority in that regard um, and to double down on what he thinks is right. But I don't necessarily see that. I I, <laughs> I don't necessarily see it that way. Uh, I'm more like, yeah. no, the through line was that you were afraid of change. And by the end of this episode, you learned that you didn't have to. And I don't. I get that you don't have to compromise your convictions, but I'm also like change is inevitable and you have to change like whether you want to or not and you need to step up. And I'm just annoyed by people in real life who refuse to change. And maybe I'm bringing that baggage into the show. (laughs) What's your Jacob? I've got a tie. Oh, lay it on me. I've got a tie. DJ Qualls. Hey, period. Can't go wrong with DJ Qualls. DJ Qualls again. I I loved him in Z Nation. Um, I even liked him in the New Guy a lot. Um, I, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit as an actor because he's he's a lot of fun and he works very very hard. He worked very very hard on Z Nation and he's super sweet in person. I got to interview him at Comic Con once. Oh nice. Um, so yeah, he's cool. So he's my man in white. But it also tying with the moment, honestly. Sawyer's saying I'm not going anywhere until I know my friends are okay because I didn't realize how much I appreciated that line until we were talking about it. I'm like, aw, Sawyer. I am going to go with also kind of a small moment, but it's the very end when we discover Bernard. Is that because I remember the first time seeing that being like, oh, like, like magical in such a wonderful way and she had been so hopeful about him and against all odds and i remember that being like kind of a heart soaring moment and even seeing it a second time now years later it it had that same effect on it felt like a win for true love yes in all honesty and i i say this as a very cynical not romantic person it did feel like a win for true love good job show so that's it for this week's episode Megan, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also do a show on Anchor called uh, Rooster Team Radio, where we talk about all things Rooster Teeth related. Right now, we're in the middle of RVB Recall, which is our Red versus Blue deep dive show, where uh, my cohort Katie Cullen and I tell you what we think about the latest episodes. Um, we got a lot more coming down the way it's gonna be a lot of fun i also do a youtube channel called silver screams where i occasionally talk about horror things so go check that out watch those shows listen to those shows support those shows um you can follow me on twitter at the real will link and um buy my book crazy about kurt uh it's terrific and also, uh, you know, there are more Will Sean podcast episodes. They, they, we still do the podcast a little spottier than usual. There's not a regular routine. We're trying some new things because we were tired of 
having <laughs> guests. So we're, you know, we're doing a lot of the usual like summer movie preview things and things like that. But we also are trying something where we are going into the random date generator and picking Ooh. random dates and then going through what like that like that day in the world what the top 10 movies tv shows and <laughs> billboards chart songs were and uh we just did march 25th 1990 no no uh, december 25th 1992 and uh it's funny because a lot of the shows were on that list well have come back <laughs> murphy brown roseanne oh those shows came back it's just bizarre and a lot of the movies Number two movie at the box office that weekend was Aladdin. Guess what's coming out Aladdin. in a couple of weeks? Aladdin. Time is cyclical, man. Uh, time is a flat circle. <laughs> All right. That is why clocks are round. Shout out to you Rooster Teeth fans out there. <laughs> uh, so until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you listen to us, might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>